Hey, everybody. Welcome to Customer Experience Spotlight. I am here today. This is Mike Garish, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas, Vice President of Marketing and Customer Experience, and I have a special guest. It is Judy Weeder from Forrester, our principal analyst, and we are here to talk about customer experience. And I have a few questions for you, Judy, but first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. And we've worked together for a few years now, and we always have the best meetings in the world. And we said, but we have such a good time and just the examples and the commentary. And we collectively um, said, we need to share this with other people because our conversations are so fun. And they're always packed with such good little nuggets of experience, amazingness. So with that, um, yeah, here we are. We're going to record this and share this with some people, and maybe people will listen to it. But before we get all started about that, I would love to know um, about you and how you got into customer experience. Judy, go ahead. Oh, boy. I, I feel like I've been in customer experience my entire life, if I'm being honest. Um, Amen. I got, I got my very first job when I was 13 years and nine months old at the Silver Spring Public Library in Silver Spring, Maryland. And I, I think everybody should have known that I was gonna be a troublemaker at that point because I was hired just to shelve the books and organize the magazines. And instead when patrons would be looking for something because of course I'm shelving everything and I know where everything is, I would direct them. And the librarians would say, you're not supposed to do that. It's supposed to be a librarian that helps them find <laughs> things. And I'd still do it on the sly because it was all about trying to make sure that people could find the stuff that they needed. I just wanted to help people. And so I, I've had a bunch of jobs in retail back, you know, before I, I graduated college. And then over the course of many roles, running help desks and running technology infrastructures and like every single job I've ever had has had some kind of a customer in it. And so the point when it actually became a really formal thing was when I went to Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island and I was brought in to be a business analyst on a member engagement program that we were doing that was specifically for a thing we were doing with case management where nurses would engage with folks that had specific chronic conditions. And we were trying to see how would that engagement then lead to better health outcomes. And I was doing the analysis on this stuff. And over the course of time, that, nice. that program came to an end. And then we, we realized we needed to shift from just being member experience to being customer experience. And yes. my boss was fully on board with that. And then um, when he when he decided to leave, not long after that, I took over the whole thing. And thankfully, that came with my Forrester membership. Um, and then I was able to learn at the feet of Harley Manning and Sam Stern oh, yeah. and so many great people that pioneers um, in CX. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great. And so then it was so really basically Forrester stole you from the blues. Is it? Did I get that right? They, that is in fact true. I I joke about like um, I liked it so much I bought the company that I, I went it. straight from being a Forrester client to being um, I was an advisor on a product that we used to have called Leadership Boards, and then I became an analyst four years ago. So it's it's just been a blast. It's That's been such awesome. a blast. Well, I, I always um, kind of forget that you were with the Blues, and that's awesome. I mean, it, it's uh, it's a great um, story and commitment, and the customer focus that's been around for decades in uh, health insurance and really helping kind of crack the nut on it because it's hard. And there's a reason why health insurance and other industries are lower on the Forrester scale because 
these are big companies with big processes and legacy systems and processes and uh anyway that's what inspires me to be here so that's so cool so um segue i and i didn't know you were yeah. a librarian or worked in a, <laughs> a library page. so that is so funny. a lowly page <laughs> so i would not have i would have not have guessed that in 100 guesses but good for you definitely ties into the research uh part of you so so with that, um, you know, we talk about companies who are the best uh, in customer experience. So um, what have you found um, in, in terms of the companies who are the best um, in customer experience? What do they do that makes them the best? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of it comes down to being customer obsessed. And so we talk about that and and there's there's always that concern about, oh, obsession is such a such a scary word. But if you put your customer at the center of your leadership, your strategy, and your operations, and you're organizing around that person, you will find that it is much easier to make the right decisions that are beneficial for the business too. And so the firms that are are doing the best at delivering those personalized, those individualized customer experiences are doing so because they remember that their customers are people. Even if you're a B2B firm, ultimately, the person who's the buyer or who's the decision maker or the administrator, they are people. And fundamentally, you have to come back to that. So when we get to, say, the brand level, health insurance absolutely is challenged. Um, there's, To your point, there's a lot of legacy stuff going on there. And mm -hmm. up until we had you know, the Affordable Care Act, there was a lot of bad behavior out there in terms of rating people based upon their health and potentially keeping them out of the system because they couldn't afford care. And once we got past that and then it opened up more choice, that created the possibility of people leaving in a very real way, even in markets that previously didn't have that choice. And that created pressure that's caused folks to rethink their approach to customer experience. So now they're looking at the firm's that are doing it the best all over, like Chewy. Yeah. Chewy's fantastic for so many reasons. One of the, the things I really love about how they think about customer experience is they focus on the individual customer and they've empathized, or excuse me, they have um, done empathy at scale effectively. So there's always those stories that you hear about someone whose pet passed away and they had a Chewy subscription and the person contacts Chewy and says, you know, hey, my, my pet has passed away and I no longer need the subscription. And they're told, keep whatever you've already received, give it away to a shelter, whatever you want to do, it's fine. And then they get flowers and a card. Yeah. And, Wonderful. you know, th that's that's not something that's individual to that rep, like just doing something nice, going to their boss and begging. That's something that's very similar to what we've seen with Ritz-Carlton over the years, where they've given their housekeeping staff gift cards to be able to give out to customers that are struggling with some aspect of the experience to stop that in the moment and do the recovery right there. We talk about empathy at scale. We have now made a process around this, but it still feels like it's personal to me. So it's it's that kind of individualization sure. that makes the experiences better because it feels like you're being treated like the person that you are. Yes. And not to quote your um friend and mentor, um, Harvey, but we talked about inside out and outside in. Yeah. How they have to work together. And, you know, so many programs, they build elaborate customer experience programs with the metrics and everything else, but they fail to empower and engage the employees who have to deliver on that brand promise. And I think those two examples you just gave are really clear indications that 
if you're going to have a successful customer experience program, you've got to engage every employee at every level because ev many hands um, it, it will take to do this work and uh, it's so important. So can I flip the script and say, yeah. tell us about the biggest mistakes that you see <laughs> in customer experience work? Ooh, I'm I'm contractually obligated never to name and shame. Um, but what I will say and is please that don't if one of those is is our company. Um, no, by the way, good. quick 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 plug to Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas. We do score really high on the health insurance uh, index, but I can't go into any details. But I will say we are doing pretty well there. But anyway, keep going. Yeah. So if I will speak in somewhat in generalities, um, sure. when we look at the health insurance market in particular, thinking about the Forrester's Customer Experience Index, which for those of you that don't know, is a way to gauge the success of a firm in terms of delivering great customer experiences by evaluating qualities of those experiences, and then also looking at how those lead to loyalty. So we look at the ease, the effectiveness, and the emotion of an experience, which are the measures of quality, and then how those relate to the measures of loyalty, which are retention, so being willing to stay with a brand, enrichment, buy more products and services from that brand, and advocacy, where you're going to recommend that brand. So all those pieces sort of together, we're able to get a much better picture of what an experience feels like for a customer with that particular brand, and then how that translates into financial value for the firm. The firms in health insurance that are struggling are the ones that are not focusing on the top drivers of their experiences. And so we know that customer service is the, the number one driver category for um, the CX index for health insurers. And it has been like number one or number two for the last five years. Actually, that one has been number one for the last five years, come to think of yeah. it, because we, we have some research that we're publishing on that fairly soon. So you think about customer service. And to your point, how are you enabling and empowering your customer service employees to resolve issues right in the moment, as opposed to having a person have to call back? To what extent are you enabling, say, your uh, your reps to be able to resolve a claim issue right there, sure. as sure. opposed to making it have to go to some adjusting group, and then there's right. time that gets wasted from the customer's perspective because they don't know if they're supposed to pay a bill, and then that stress that rises up, right? They don't call you until something has gone wrong. That's and right. at that point, they're already at heightened stress. So the folks that aren't focusing on customer service are absolutely falling towards the bottom of the list because they're not focusing yeah. on the thing that matters most. And yes. then the second thing that matters is respects me as a customer. And so this is where we get, this category is a big catch-all for a lot of things, including, you know, knows me. And you think about how many times you've ever called a business and you've had to pour out your heart to an IVR <laughs> and press all the buttons, go find your card with your number, put all that stuff in, and then you get transferred to an agent who then asks you to repeat all that information. And maybe you get transferred to a third person who asks you to repeat all that information. Absolutely. And it's so frustrating and so unnecessary. And so we think about yeah. how can we use the technology we have to enable better, smoother experiences so that from the customer's point of view, you know them in a non-creepy way, but you sure. know them and you think of them again as a person, yes. not as just their checkbook. Yes, respect them as a person, but respecting yeah. their time 
and you go back to the ease, the effort, the emotion and the metric and customer service. I just I have to comment on some of those things because we struggle a lot with everyone transposing customer experience and customer service, same thing, and they are so not. Um, and, you know, the customer service is not a department. I mean, it is a mentality of that service, that customer obsessed culture that you talked about where everyone has to think about how can they better the experience because it's uh, even in companies that are all, all all digital, but we have to think about just metaphorically from how the parking lot looks to the 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 cleanliness of the windows on the storefront to the temperature when you walk into the store to um, the lighting in the store to how clean the bathrooms are in the back room. Um, if the boxes of the latest shipment of product are sitting in the aisles or they are in the back waiting until closed for people to stack the shelves, all those little micro moments are experienced touch points. And that's why I love about the Forrester metric is because it really talks about the quality of all those experiences and helps you understand which one of those things people notice. People are sensing constantly in relationships, all the little nuances. And um, I think it goes so much uh, and, and customer service, obviously, that is the front door for health insurance. That is literally our our uh, retail, if you will, walking into the lobby, and that's where they interact with us. So it's no surprise to me that they rank there, but they are the key point at the entry point. But we all and all of our other departments have to do our job, too. It can't just be on the backs of the customer service representatives. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, to your point about customer experience being bigger than just customer service, a hundred percent. And it's really easy for folks to get sort of stuck on this notion of, oh, they're probably the same thing. But then they're putting everything, every single chip into the the basket or every egg, whatever, every something. Chips? Into chips the basket, in a basket? Chips, whatever it is. I, I don't know. I feel like we're, feel like we're in France or something. We're, chips in we're a basket. Messing, or... We're messing with the metaphors. Um, they're putting <laughs> everything on the customer service reps, which is completely unfair because they're part of a bigger ecosystem. So customer experience is the sum total of the perceptions that a customer has about every interaction that they have with you, which means it's everything. It's the marketing material that they get. It's the nurse that they talked with. It's the customer service rep. It's when they're trying to read their card and all the print is really tiny. It's all of those things that add up to their overall experience. And the the experience is comprised of many journeys. And so it's about understanding what are the key moments in each of those journeys? What's yes. the optimal way to deliver on those moments for that particular customer? Because I talked to one of the biggest mistakes that I see firms make. Mm -hmm. They say, we are going to be digital first or worse <laughs> still, we're going to be digital only. And they forget that not everybody has equal access to digital assets. Not everybody has equal access to bandwidth and infrastructure that enables yes. them to do, say, high-speed video. And not everybody is comfortable with that kind of technology. So it's okay to say, we're gonna make this an option and maybe this is gonna be our preferred path, but we will always maintain a path for people who don't like that. But forcing people and corralling them into digital channels that they don't like and that they don't understand how to use and that maybe don't actually work the way that you really intend them to yes. is not going to get you where you want to go, right? It's about saving money. And that's back to your earlier point. Harley had written this amazing book with Carrie Bodine called Outside In. And it's about thinking from the outside perspective and bringing that inside 
to help you understand how you can create a more customer focused culture. Yes, I I have to admit that um, running late for an eight o'clock meeting and I park in front of our building and I am at a meter. I I have the app, but it's not updated and I don't know my license plate. And I got to go through it. It's technically better and cheaper to go through the app, but I've got my bag, I've got my coffee, I've got my things, I've got this meeting I'm already dialed into that I'm running late for. So guess what? I used a quarter, novel. Right. <laughs> Cash, what's that? But, but, but to your point, like I'm digital first on most things, but sometimes it's like, I need my optionality. And a lot of places are going to the extremes. If you've been into a parking garage or other store, you can't use cash. And and that's just a great example. Like sometimes we don't think about the test cases or the use cases of actually how people are rushing into work and need something quicker and maybe analog's better than digital. So I think that your point's fascinating. And I'm I'm always picking up those types of examples in my daily life of like, uh, I got to tell another quick story. One of my buddies, I was at his home and he's like, oh, check out this cool light bulb. And it had these colors and it was over his sink. And I was staying at his house and I, I I got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water. And I'm like, what the, how the hell do you turn on the, the light <laughs> to the kitchen? And uh, he came out and was like, hey, man, you okay? I'm like, can you turn the light on? And it, of course you could turn it on through his phone because it was a digital light bulb, which is oh, the stupidest okay. thing in the world when you think about it. Cause like, really, I mean, do we need to digitize that? Like, how about a switch? You know, you walk into a room, you turn on the switch or when you walk in, it just turns on automatically. Anyway. I could go on and on about those experiences, but I think that your point is is well taken is you have to think about the the user experience and user and journeys. So I know we only have a few more minutes, but tell yeah. me a little bit about this journey thing you kind of touched on in your last comment about um, how did listeners get started on this journey to impact positive customer experiences within their businesses through journeys? So when we think about a customer journey, it's the the sum of all the steps that a customer is taking as they are going along a path to pursue some kind of a goal. Now, the customer okay. may, may be an individual. It may be a group. It may be a family of people. The path may or may not um, involve other folks, other partners. Some of those things that they're doing, some of those steps are going to be things that they may not do with you, that they may have to do on their own. Uh, and then, you know, as you get to that notion of the goal, the goal itself may not be really big. It might not be, I need to get a mortgage. I need to buy a car. It might be something as simple as I need to log into my account and I've lost my password yeah. or I need a new member card. There, the journeys can be um, you know, for big tasks and they can be for small tasks. So the concept of the journey is really when we put these steps together. So the first thing is when you're doing your customer research, you want to understand who your customers are and you want to build up an understanding of what their key journeys are. So, for example, in the case of a health insurer, you're going to be thinking in terms of, well, I need to sign up for health insurance. Sure. So there's a there's a whole portion of that where I'm trying to pick my plan. Um, I There's another journey where it's going to be I need to pay my bill. There's going to be another one where I need to resolve an issue with a claim. There's going to be one where I need to get care. Right. There's a whole bunch of journeys that regardless of which which type of a health insurer you are, whether you're commercial, whether you're uh, government programs, whatever, you're still going to have the same kinds of journeys, but the steps will be different. So you want to do the research, understand who your customers are, understand what those journeys are, and then get the data, figure yes. out what's happening at those moments, understand who's interacting, when, how, understand the emotions that your customers are going through, 
and then map the other side of it too. Understand what's happening for your employees. Like if you think sort of behind the curtain or below the waterline, what is the employee's experience as they're tracking along that path with the customer? And what are their emotions? What are the issues that they're running into with a system that doesn't let them do a thing that they need to do? And how is that backing up on both the employee and the customer? And so the customer journey mapping is like a really big, super useful thing to do. And yes. one other thing that I, I do want to point out in terms of knowing your customer and sort of back to the, the thing that you were saying earlier about using a quarter instead of using an app, we cannot always assume that every single customer looks like us. That kind of a bias creates all kinds of bad situations. So you need to make sure that your team that's doing your design is as diverse as your customer base and understands that not everybody has the same level of ability. Not everybody comes from the same economic background, the same racial background, the same gender, right? Like there's there are lots of different aspects here. And so your, your example of going to say a parking garage where mm -hmm. you're paying and, and all the machines are cashless, are that's fantastic for everybody who has a credit card or everybody yeah. who has Apple Pay. But there are still many people in the US in particular that are unbanked. Yes. And what are they supposed to do? So it's a matter of kind of understanding who are your customers and how can you cater to them? And if you're gonna make something um, useful for them, then you have to understand, are they able to see the words that you put on the web page? Are they able to touch the button that you yeah. put there? Are they able to interact with it in the way that they need to in order to do the thing? So yeah. all of that, you need to understand the, the total of who these people are and not just assume that they always look like one thing because they are not monolithic by any measure. Yeah, it's there is so much there, Judy. Every darn time we talk, it's like, ah, that's the time's <laughs> off. Um, you have so much, but I have to recap what I just heard there because I want to start backwards and kind of go to the first point. Um, equity in CX versus equality. There's a big difference. Meeting people where they're at and consciously building teams that can ask the tough questions and look at it from different angles, not just using a hammer on every CX issue um, and treating everything the same because that's not what people want. Back to your point about personalization. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back into it. Emotions and tasks to do. You got to hit people on both cylinders. What jobs need to get done, but how are they going to feel about those jobs? And then last but not least, where you started, it's not just you and your company. So I have this beautiful picture in my office of this wonderful researched uh, journey map in health insurance. It's awareness, then shopping, then welcome, then preventative, then health event, then chronic. It's beautiful. But guess what? It doesn't include. It doesn't include the doctor's office the app that I have to use um, to uh, for my kids who have different doctors, the hospital experience that my wife went through, the follow-up rehabilitation for a surgery. That when you just talked about the journey has to be bigger than your company. And sorry, folks, it's not all about you. You could have the best journey in your company, but if the parts and pieces of the jobs people have to do, and you don't think through how your company can intersect and make that easier and better, you could have the best journey map and experience in the world, but if one of these other entities doesn't have their stuff together, um, it's all going to fall apart. And health insurance is probably why we struggle because people don't see us as these delegated entities. They see us as a healthcare system, and we are a big player in that system, but uh, we're relying on a lot of other partners to bring that experience to life. And uh, 
And, and when it matters most, and it's super personal and emotional, and uh, there's money involved, and there's health involved, and there's lives involved. So the stakes are super high. So um, wow, so much to unpack there. So closing comments. I hope I summarize that um, for the for the listeners. Any advice for our listeners? They're mostly marketing and customer experience people. Are really targeting those two people deliberately because I think marketers are they're they're selling products and services and they're selling brands and promises. And I think the customer experience people are delivering on those promises. So I think it's really important that those two audiences know this information and and what comments do you have for them as our listeners as they're going out to make the world better? Yeah, I mean, my my final sort of double barreled piece of advice. Um, so the, the first one is make sure that you can tell a succinct ROI story. You want to be able to relate the improvement that you're looking at or the thing that you want to do that you know is going to make some big customer experience splash. You want to relate that back to one of three things, either increasing the revenue for your firm, decreasing the costs for your firm, or improving its resilience, future-proofing it. And yeah, we've done a bunch of research at, at Forrester about this. So revenue, cost, resilience. You should always have a tight story about how you're going to be able to do that because you can't pay a salary with a CX metric, but you can with the money that you earn, the money that you save, or the, the future proofing of Love your it. firm. The other Love piece it. of advice that I have, and this is especially, I, the, the marketers probably need to hear it, but shout out to all my customer experience folks. The improvements that you make may not always be big million dollar deals and that's okay take those incremental wins those tiny wins when you can get them because especially for people who are in say the healthcare world this is you can't get much more personal than healthcare yes. so every improvement that you make made someone's life better someone's actual life better that's powerful. and that's noble right so it's okay if it's not some big huge thing they all add up over the course of time keep your feet moving don't get discouraged you're on the right path love it and man we just landed right on time <laughs> thank you so much judy i appreciate you so much your partnership your friendship your knowledge this will help others and inspire others and there you have it folks thank you for listening and go out and as judy said make people's lives better